Jordy Nelson's about to begin his comeback, and Lane Taylor joins the Packers' starting lineup. Those are a few of the big storylines heading into the season opener at Jacksonville on Sunday. To preview the game, we talked to Scott McKenna of the Talk and Smack blog. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Central at Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. We're talking some Packers football this morning. We're getting ready for the season opener this Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Finally, meaningful football back once again. And to help preview that game, we have us joining us this morning, Scott McKenna, the Talking Smack blog. Scott, how you doing today? I'm great, Brian. You? Very good. Glad you could join us. Uh, bringing you back on the show after your appearance on the special edition last week in which we predicted the roster. And we're going to get to, uh, to previewing the game on Sunday in a second. But just before we do, Scott, any, any thoughts on the on the makeup of the Packers 53-man roster, seeing as last time we talked, we were trying to predict who would be on it? You know, I was really, really happy that they that they did end up going with uh, with six safeties. I really felt that was a nod to keeping the best players that performed for the team during the uh, during the preseason, and it showed that the you know the exhibition games do have some merit inside the eyes of Ted Thompson. We'll say that the sitting decision really caught me off guard. I think it leaves a huge hole in the uh, in the depths of our offensive line, which was one of the biggest frustrations of the team last year. And I really hope that if there's uh, there's any injuries that take place this year on the offensive line, that uh, you know our rookies can elevate and uh, and and be able to perform at a, at a level that's worthwhile as far as protecting you know the league's best quarterback. And if they aren't able to do so, uh, hopefully it happens after six weeks when we can get Lindsley back and maybe Treader steps to a guard position. But uh, um, you know, I'm really concerned about the depths of our offensive line with the release of Sitton. Other than that, I, I have to say that I was surprised Callahan made the team. Uh, he was deserving with his performance, and it makes, I guess, me wonder if uh, Hunley's ready to play this week. Is, is, I haven't seen much uh, written about that, but uh, um, that was that was really all I could make as to why they would be keeping three quarterbacks at this stage, but... Uh, all in all, I'm happy with the roster. I think there was a continued youth movement, and uh, and I, I really like the makeup of the team. Yeah, you know what? Just, just briefly commenting on the Joe Callahan thing, I wasn't in favor of keeping him either, but I guess I softened my stance a little bit in terms of that, you know, I don't think he's going to play for the Packers. I don't think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. But I guess it makes sense to me from the standpoint that quarterbacks just have such a high value in the NFL. Who knows? They could turn around in a few years and and trade Joe Callahan to a team. 
I, I guess I guess that would that's in the best interest of the Green Bay Packers, um, even if he's not going to play a down for Green Bay. So I guess I see it from that perspective, and I can't blame them for keeping him uh, if that's maybe the the overarching goal down the road or something like that. Um, I, I am curious, just to, not to delay our preview here any longer, but you you said uh, before with the offensive line. When Corey Lindsley comes back, moving J.C. Treader to guard, just why do you feel that would be the case and not Lindsley at guard? Well, I think that Treader is more athletic. He's more mobile. He's, he's shown that he can play a, a variety of positions along the line. We've seen Lindsley solely as a, as a center, um, and, I, and I guess I just have more confidence in the mobility of Treader than I do, as, uh, than I do, than I do Lindsley. Additionally, I, uh, um, I, I I really like the way that it seems like Treader's stronger this year. He's really he really had a great push throughout the uh, the preseason. I thought, and it looked like he might be able to hold the point there very very well. Not that and there, you know, Winsley obviously is a powerful man, but uh, uh, I've just always viewed Treader as a guy that could play any of the positions along the offensive line, and I viewed Winsley largely as a guy that just was a center. Interesting, interesting, just to get your thoughts on that. Uh, but without further ado, let's preview the season opener against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Scott and I each came up with a key to the game on offense, defense, and special teams here. And we're just going to kind of go back and forth and share these. So, Scott, uh, let's, let's let you kick things off with a key to the game on offense for the Green Bay Packers. You know, so much was made of the the disappointing year that Aaron Rodgers had last year. And I think it's really crucial for Rodgers to find a stride early in the season. And really, uh, when you're playing in a game that, you you, you know, you're playing a, a Jacksonville team that has a, has a lot of good things expected of them this year, and I think is the, the favorite to win the AFC South, uh, and you're going to be playing an emotional game on, on, on the road to kick off the season where – Everybody's full of hope and full of belief. I really think it's important for Rodgers to, to find his rhythm this, this week early in the game and to really do so by targeting the middle of the field. Jacksonville's littered with talent, man. They've got a lot of talent in the defensive side of the ball. Where I think they've got holes is speed down the middle of the field. Uh, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Crippington, uh, he, he can run, but he, he's not as good in pass defense as he is in run, in run defense. Uh, uh, Tayshawn Gibson is, is, I think, their weakest link on the defensive side of the ball. And then Paul, Paul Pazlusny, he's a, he's a, you know, he's a veteran, um, a very, very good player, but, you know, running has never been his strength. So he's, he wins with his mind, his heart, and his physicality. So I would like to try to expose the middle of the field, um, you know, early in the game to, to use our new toy and Jared Cook and to see if we can't create some mismatches over the middle of the field and really getting Rodgers in a rhythm early in the game, getting him some easy completions. Um, you know, another move that happened early earlier this week uh, or, uh, was was the when the Packers picked up Jarrell Presley, and I'm going to be interested to see if he gets a, an opportunity this week. I mean, he's uh, even if it's just to get him the ball in space, he was such a weapon for the Lobos over the last couple of years, and every time he touched the ball, it seemed like it was a first down. So I was excited he was brought into play. And we saw Starks as a guy over the past that, uh, you know, was really a weapon on, on, on the screen game. And I really think that Presley can add to that dimension. So 
uh, getting Rodgers in a rhythm with easy completions early in the game, finding his stride, and, and really pressing the respe- reset button mentally so that there's no lingering uh, carryover from the negativity that we saw in the locker room on off- or in the huddle last year on offense. Um, I, uh, that would be the biggest mission, easy passes to get it started, and, uh, and then let's take some shots deep later on. Yeah, I think it'll be big to find somebody to stretch the field, and they obviously didn't have that this year, but they have a few options this year. Obviously, you've got Jordy Nelson back, but if he's not 100%, they've got another option with Jared Cook, so that's big. Uh, that's just my comments on Scott's thoughts, but if providing my own key to the game here for the Packers offense I'm going with neutralizing Malik Jackson. And I I don't think you can't help but look at this game, especially in light of last night's season opener in Denver and and see the guy that helped the Broncos win a Super Bowl title and then went on to become one of the most prized free agents of the offseason and then look across the line of scrimmage and see the newest and least experienced member of the Packers offensive line who steps into a situation where he's being forced to fill the shoes of an all-pro offensive lineman, this is without a doubt a huge test for a guy that many feel is a downgrade from Josh Sitton. And, you know, I think the scouting report on Taylor is that he's a better run blocker than pass protector, but he's now in charge of protecting arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. And then the guy lining up next to Taylor is J.C. Treader who only has three career starts to his name. So as much as we want to trust in Treader, uh, he's relatively inexperienced. And he and Taylor, as of yet, don't have much of a rapport. So there's a whole lot going on to get those things ironed out, calling protections, combo blocks, those sort of things. Great point. Malik Jackson is an intimidating defender. Um, and he, he can do it all. He can get pressure on the quarterback up the middle. Um, he wins with, with power. He wins with quickness. And, you know, the, the matchup between Jackson and Taylor is going to certainly be one to watch throughout. There's no doubt. All right. Moving on to the defensive side of the football for the Green Bay Packers. Scott, what's your key to the game for the Packers D? There's two things that you really can't you can't coach or plan for, and that's you know the the altitude here in Colorado, and then uh, when you play in humidity, and, and I saw it's going to feel like 105 degrees on Sunday, you you can't you can't prepare for that uh, for that heat. There's nothing you can do, and uh, uh, you know if, because of that, I think it's really important to stop the run early in the game, so that this so our defense just doesn't get worn down early early on. Uh, you know, I, I think that um, Jacksonville again has has a, a good uh, good options and great skill skill players, and uh, uh, Yeldon and Ivory at the at the at running back, and they've got uh, Thomas and Mercedes Lewis at tight end, and Robinson and Hearns at wide receiver. I think Portals reminds me just a little bit of a young Favre almost, right? Like, um, but but I think if you can stop the run early in this game and make them one dimensional. Bortles is going to give you give you an opportunity to, to 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 make a play. He averages over an interception a game, and the Packers have have playmakers on defense. So, um, ensuring that the that Jacksonville finds themselves in their second and third and longs, I think that this defense can really tee off and and uh, uh, make some big plays this this weekend. But it all starts with stopping the run, and um, I'm I'm uh, I'm feeling like that's going to be a real key 
to this football game early in the game. Just to press you a little bit more on this issue, what do you think of the Packers' defensive line? You know, I think you've got Daniels and Guyon, and you can trust those guys, but you've got Kenny Clark, who missed the past two preseason games. You've got Mike Pinnell suspended, so he's not going to play. So, so what do you think of the Packers' defensive line and how they're going to stop the run? Really big question mark. Really big question mark, and it's concerning, frankly. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I, we're going to need Lowry, and we're going to need Kenny Clark to play much better than they did in the preseason and to really plug up holes so our line, our young linebackers can make plays at, at, the, at the line of scrimmage and, and not have those plays being made, you know, for, for those tackles being made four to six yards down the field. Um, so it's, it's, for me, that's a huge concern heading into the early part of the season, without a doubt. Um, and, and I will say that one of the weaknesses maybe of Jacksonville's, Jacksonville's team is potentially their offensive line. Um, so I think that those are some, there are some battles there that we can win, um, heading into the season opener. And it's really going to be a, uh, but it will be a test for, uh, for our defensive line that does have a lot of question marks and, and, uh, and a lack of experience here with Pinnell out for the first four games. Yeah, some big question marks there. My key to the Packers' defense is limiting the damage by a pair of 1,000-yard wide receivers last year. Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns among the best duos, wide receiver duos in the NFL, each of whom who had double-digit touchdowns last season as well. I think everybody's excited by the youth and the potential of the Packers secondary, and I am too, but they're not among the best secondaries in the NFL right now. It's right now when they start earning that reputation, and they do that by shutting down Robinson and Hearns. Uh, Many people may not like to admit it, but I think there's a lot of question marks in the Packers secondary, and Perhaps the biggest is Morgan Burnett, who didn't play in a single preseason game uh, after also missing some time last year. Now, he's apparently healthy. He's not listed on the injury report, and we know what he's capable of when he is healthy, uh, but he's got to show he's not rusty. And I don't think we're sure what the backup plan is if Burnett is hurt, especially with Chris Banjo injured. I'm assuming it would be Micah Hyde if Burnett for some reason got hurt or couldn't go. Uh, but I also think the Packers would be hard-pressed to keep a guy like Kentrell Bryce off the field after the preseason he had. And then at cornerback, we've got Quentin Rollins playing a much more prominent role in 2016. This is a guy that just had four starts in 2015 as a rookie, so he's still relatively inexperienced. And a guy like Demarius Randall, he's got to be more consistent. We know he has the big playability. We've seen that. But he's also the player in the secondary most prone to giving up big plays last year as well. And you'd like to see that come down or have that happen with fewer instances. Scott, your thoughts? Oh, it's, it's all spot on. It really is all spot on. And if that's where I'm saying if we can really slow down the run and limit their play action, um, you know that's that's going to be a really big key for us as well. Keep their so it helps keep our secondary honest and to be able to play with two two safeties deep over the top because they're certainly going to test Demarius Randall down the sidelines on a deep on the deep ball. There's no doubt that we're going to see that uh, extensively. And Robinson was just one of those underrated 
receivers are maybe not underrated. He just didn't get any attention last year. I never understood it because he was as lethal as a receiver as there was in the game last year. So, um, yeah, just they, they are they are very two talent two very talented wide receivers who are going to create some mis- uh, mismatches for a lot of opponents. I like the way we match up with them, especially if we can give some help over the top with uh, Demarius Randall against Allen Robinson. I think that Hearns can run with, or that Sammy can run with Hearns and that, that, uh, that he matches up well with him. And if we can give some over, over the top help with Demarius Randall, I like the way he matches up with Robinson as well. But uh, yeah, certainly something to keep their, our eye on. No doubt about it. The other thing that was really interesting about this whole Burnett thing, and we saw it last night prior to the, uh, the Bronco uh, Carolina game when they were talking about Dem- DeMarcus Ware and how he was out. He said the biggest challenge for him was to get his body to do what his mind was telling him to do since he hadn't played football in a while. And uh, we saw early in the game that he just wasn't able to finish plays. And uh, that, for me, is a big concern with Burnett. And uh, having Burnett being, you know, not doing anything all preseason. And like you said, he missed some time last year as well. You know, what position is he going to be able to be in early in the early in this game? And is there going to be a rust factor where he's missing tackles early in the game and giving this Jack, young Jacksonville team confidence? And, um, you know, that's that for me is a big question mark heading into this game as well. Yeah, hopefully he's all right. He's not listed on the injury report, so uh, maybe maybe there's a, it's more worrying by us than anything, but we'll see. Uh, you can't help but be a little bit apprehensive. Scott, special teams, what's your key to the game on special teams? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's got to be the punter. Um, you know, he's, he, you know, when you look at Jacob Schum, he's he's new to the team. Um, you know, we haven't seen him in a regular season game in green and gold. And really swinging the field position here, I think, is going to be a crucial component to this game, especially early if uh, if the crowd is active and the crowd is into it, and the Packers aren't able to move the football early in the game. You know, uh, we need we need to swing the field position. And then in addition, you know, Shum is also going to be the holder. So I think uh, um, you know, Shum, Jacob Shum as a whole is going to be one of the uh, one one of the biggest keys to uh, from a, a performance perspective to the special teams. Uh, side of this game and is he is he going to be in unison with Crosby and then in addition you know is he going to be able to swing the field position if called upon uh, in the punting game yeah not to belabor uh, intense focus on the special teams but if I were to give a key it's and just be a slightly different from Scott I think Jacob Schum is you know the thing to watch in this game as well but I'll just add that the kicking operation in general the snap the hold the kick is going to be imperative as well because you've also got a long snapper that you know while he's a veteran Brett Good was just signed this week and is he going to be a little bit rusty and and then you've got a holder and a kicker that have only been working together since the last preseason game and that was a game without Brett Good so Good to Shum to Crosby I mean that operation I think will just that the Packers got to make sure <laughs> that's all intact. Hopefully it will be. These guys are professionals and you know, that they've, that's like the one thing they're paid to do. They, they do very few things. So hopefully they're on point with that. Uh, but Scott, do you, do you have a game prediction? You know, I'm going to say the Packers are, are going to be, are going to come away victorious in a tight game. It'll be a nail biter. It'll get frustrating at times, but I'm going to say the Packers 27 
in Jacksonville, 23, each team scoring five times. Packers getting one touch, one more touchdown than uh, um, than Jacksonville, and really red zone efficiency being a key to this football game. Uh, and the Packers finding the end zone one more time than Jacksonville, where they're settling for a field goal. Yeah, my prediction's fairly close. The by the exact same spread as you, I've got them winning 24-20. Uh, I I really like you know. There's been so much attention on the Jaguars. I think everybody feels that they're finally going to turn the corner. And I'll tell you this, I, I just like that the Packers are facing them week one instead of week 16. I think this is a young team that's only going to get better, uh, you know, in terms of like the, their offensive line. They got a bunch of new additions on their offensive line. I think it's going to take them to gel. And, and then on the defensive side of the football, you've got a real young group uh, led by the their first round draft pick last year who... Uh, didn't play. What's his name? Uh, Dante Fowler. Fowler. Yeah. So on top of Fowler, uh, you've got him and you've got Jalen Ramsey and, and Miles Jack and, and all these guys could be stars in the NFL, but I just don't think maybe they're ready for prime time week one. And I think the Packers can just kind of take advantage of a team that's still trying to find itself, find its identity uh, whereas this this Packers team is has played with each other, you know, with with some notable exceptions like Lane Taylor joining the starting lineup. But for the most part, the, a lot of these guys uh, are pieces that played last year, and hopefully they're just ready to build off of last year. So yeah, twenty four twenty. Scott, how how about the season as a whole now? Where where do you? If we were to give a, a record prediction and and where we think the Packers are going this year, uh, what's your prediction on that? It's rare for me to say this, but I really think the Packers are the best team in the NFL this year. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, the schedule plays in our favor. I could easily see the Packers going 5-1 and one in the NFC, NFC North, especially with the injury to Bridgewater. I, uh, I could see the Packers going 3-1 and one in the NFC East and 3-1 and one in the AFC South. And, you know, splitting with uh, the, the Atlanta and Seattle game and finishing 12-4, and four, it, it helped to see Carolina lose last night because that, that's, um, you know, they're a team that I think is certainly going to be in contention at the end of the year as far as, you know, having a first-round bye and, and home field throughout. Um, and those little, that missed kick yesterday, we could see that playing a factor as we get into Week 16 and Week 17 towards the end of the year. I really do see the Packers ending up with the first round by and potentially having home field advantage throughout. Um, and, uh, and, and it wouldn't shock me to see the Green Bay Packers. I, or as of today, I have, a, I have Green Bay winning the Super Bowl over, over Pittsburgh, and it is very, very rare for me to feel this way. I just think that, uh, um, I, I think that this team is, has, a, has all the pieces in place to, um, you know, to go out and do something really special. And uh, um, I'm, I, at this stage, I'm predicting the Packers to be Super Bowl champions, and uh, and I'm really expecting Rodgers to be the NFL's MVP once again. So, uh, you know, that's uh, that's where I'm at as we stand today, two days before the the uh, the regular season opener. Yeah, you? I I can really buy it this year. This is the the highest I've been on this Packers team since I believe probably 2011. I think that's when you had you know after they started off the 2011 season undefeated. It, it all seems like it's gone downhill from there, but you know not far downhill by any means. But 
the, the question started to creep in, but I think they've answered so many uh, as of late. Uh, I just think that this, you know, the, the defense at one point was among the worst in the NFL, and they've gone back now to respectable uh, top 10 in the NFL status, if not even better. I can see that the pass rush with Clay Matthews back outside, bringing that back among the best in the NFL this year. You've got the young emerging secondary that I really like. Um, and, and I think, you know, with Jordy Nelson, and Jared Cook, that the passing game is going to get back to where it needs to be. And then, you know, again, another top 10 passing team in the NFL. You know, if you've got top 10 units across the board, offense, defense, and hopefully special teams, um, you know, that that's setting you up to be as good as any team in the NFL. I can buy the Super Bowl winning prediction, actually. Uh, I'm going to go with a season prediction of 12 and four just because uh, it's so tough to win every game in the NFL. You're going to lose somewhere along the line a game you don't expect, but two games you don't expect. Uh, but it doesn't matter. All that matters is winning in the playoffs. So, so yeah, I can buy it. You know, the other thing that's really interesting is the schedule is strange this year. What do they have? Two road games to start. And, and, and tough opponents there. And then I think they have four games at home in a row, right? Like, yeah. So if if they can go out and beat Jacksonville this weekend and then beat a, a Minnesota team without Teddy Bridgewater in week two, then they go and face four straight games at home and four winnable games at home. Uh, you know, there's the, we could be staring at a 6-0 and start to the season again, much like we did last year. And uh, – but coming out and starting this season hot is a really important facet to this game or to this year, um, and it starts with uh, starts with winning these first two games on the road, and I think it would really put us in a great position um, as the season wears on us because there's three games um, in in November that are all on the road, and uh, you know I don't care who the opponent is, but uh, winning three on the road in November not going to be easy. And, uh, um, you know, as the weather gets to change. So I think getting off to a hot start is a really important uh, facet to the season. And then additionally, the last three games of the year this year are all, um, uh, are all against NFC, NFC North opponents. So, you know, really important to start fast and to start strong this season. Yeah. Uh, I've said before the Packers play three straight season openers. They get the game in Jacksonville, obviously, this week. Then they got to go for the opening of Minnesota Stadium and how hype they're going to be next week. And then you finally get your home opener two weeks down the road against Detroit. That's going to be quite a stretch, I think, in which, uh, the, the Packers are going to be emotionally drained at the end of that. So uh, just interesting there how that all worked out. Um, Scott, any, any parting thoughts? It's, uh, I'm, I'm really excited for this season, and it's, a, it's one of those years that is a carpe diem type season for, for, I think, the history of the Ted Thompson, Mike McCarthy, and Aaron Rodgers era. I really feel like this is a Super Bowl or bust type year going to see a lot of changes on this roster between this year and next year uh, when we're talking. But uh, so they've really invested a lot in getting the pieces of this puzzle together for, for one last run when you start looking at the Julius Peppers of this world. And uh, I know with the releases sitting, it'll be easier to keep most of this offensive line together um, because they just, uh, you know, added to their cap room. But uh, 
I'm really taking a Super Bowl or bust type uh, attitude for this season. Well, we've got the uh, the band back together for one more tour, so to speak. And uh, it starts this weekend, and I'm amped for it. Sounds good. Scott, thanks for joining us, as you do uh, every month here at Railbird Central. Uh, enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you soon. Go Pack Go, Brian. Go Pack Go. Scott McKenna of the Talking Smack Blog joining us here at Railbird Central on a Friday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us. As we continue on with the show, our Packers News of the Day segment. Sorry, no sound bites today. Uh, the Packers released their first injury report of the season, and all things considered, it looks pretty good. It notably didn't include players like Jordy Nelson, Morgan Burnett, Kenny Clark, all of whom have dealt with injuries in the offseason. They're apparently full go, which is good news. And I think for the most part, the injury report consists of guys who will be part of the game day inactive list. Uh, So the guys who appear on the injury report, safety Chris Banjo, linebacker J. Rohn Elliott, tight end Justin Perillo, wide receiver Trevor Davis, and cornerback Josh Hawkins. Uh, I would say it's a pretty good chance that all five of those guys are on the game day inactive list. The biggest question mark is wide receiver Jeff Janis, who's been a full participant in practice each of the past two days, but has done so with a club cast. And while it's nearly a given that Janis won't play receiver, the team wants to figure out if he can play special teams. Uh, I don't think he can return kicks with a club, but he certainly might be able to cover kicks and punts. Uh, In fact, I I am a little bit concerned about the special teams without having guys like Chris Banjo and J. Ron Elliott and then Dimitri Goodson, who's suspended. So having Janice available for special teams certainly would be a welcome addition, and he's probably going to be joined by some newcomers on special teams, guys like Kentrell Bryce, who are going to play a big role on a lot of units there. Uh, So that's going to be big for this Packers team this weekend. So we'll see uh, what the status is. I, I, I heard uh, Mike McCarthy say he's um, actually uh, hopeful. Uh, I, I'm not sure the exact word he used, something like that, or uh, expected perhaps uh, Justin Perillo to be ready uh, despite dealing with a knee injury, but that could depend on what happens in practice the rest of this week. Um, so the Packers released their injury report and then one notable personnel, uh, change already this week in that the Packers added tight end Devin Kajust, uh, to the practice squad, uh, a move that was rumored shortly after the team started to fill their practice squads after cutdowns to the 53 man roster. And then it didn't originally come to fruition, and I'm not sure what the holdup was. Um, uh, but anyway, it's it happened now. Uh, so I think the Packers actually moved the made the move on Wednesday. Uh, they released linebacker Beniquez Brown to make room. Uh, I think the Packers are fine at inside linebacker with Carl Bradford on the practice squad. So maybe they didn't need Brown, you know, to. Uh, that extra body at that position. Whereas with Kajust, I I think this was a great move for the Green Bay Packers in terms of developing a guy 
uh, because Kajust at, at Stanford, uh, first of all, uh, you know, a very productive player at Stanford. Second of all, for his a person of his size, um, he his his like combine numbers were off the charts for a person of his size, uh, which which is remarkable. I think the Packers uh, have gotten you know very athletic uh, in the people they looked at this year, especially in the terms of of uh, the free eight, the undrafted free agents they signed, but not just them, you know, the rookies in general, and Kajust just adds to that. Uh, but Kajust also a guy who played mostly wide receiver in college, and he's apparently kind of transitioning to the tight end. He's got the body for it, but obviously going to take a little bit of time to develop. So I, I'm just, I thought that was a great signing for the Green Bay Packers, uh, just in terms of a guy that I think has a lot of potential, and I want to see how, how he develops and could he become a, a you know serve a role on this team down the road? I'm I'm hopeful of that. So, um, be fun to watch. Um, but that leads us into the next segment as well. The day ahead in the world of the Green Bay Packers, they hold their final practice in Green Bay on Friday, followed by the release of the week's final injury report. So that'll come this afternoon. And then the Packers will travel to Jacksonville Saturday morning and conduct a light workout at Sawgrass Resort to get acclimated to the Florida weather. Um, so that's the practice plan for the week and what's on the immediate uh, you know, calendar here for the Green Bay Packers over the next two days. Um, as for the fans, uh, the Packers are launching their Green and Gold Fridays promotion today, encouraging fans to demonstrate their support for the team by wearing green and gold. Uh, there's going to be giveaways at participating sitgo stations, Culver's restaurants, and Mills Fleet Farm locations in Wisconsin. So take advantage of that if you're a fan. And then on Saturday night, the Packers will be holding a team-sponsored pep rally in Jacksonville at Blackfin Ameripub at 6 o'clock p.m. local time. Uh, there's going to be giveaways. There's going to be a Q&A session with Packers Hall of Famers Leroy Butler and Nick Collins. Uh, there will be a preview of the game. Uh, Wayne Larravee will emcee it. So all that should be very cool. And then, of course, there's the game Sunday at noon Central Time broadcasted on Fox. Uh, I believe John Lynch and Kevin Burkhart are on the call. Uh, you can also hear it on radio via Westwood One nationally and via the Packers Radio Network regionally. And you can stream it online with a subscription to NFL Game Pass. Uh, so there's all the ways you can digest the game. Um and that'll do it, folks. It's opening week, and we get to see if the Packers are up to the challenge of knocking off an up-and-coming team like the Jaguars on their home turf. I'm excited for a new season of, of Packers football. I hope you are, too. And uh, we'll see what unfolds. We'll break it all down on Monday's edition of Railbird Central. Uh, so make sure to tune in then. Every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, the live edition of the show then podcasted and on demand later in the day. And uh, my call to action, as always, as usual, if you've not done so already, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It's the one small thing we ask. The show is free of charge, no subscription, no paywall. 
So if you could do us a solid, head to iTunes, search Cheesehead TV. It'll pop right up and um, uh, give us that five-star rating. Brief little review doesn't have to be anything long. We'd greatly, greatly appreciate it. All right, folks, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy your Friday. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Enjoy the season, for that matter. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Carivu. We'll see you later, folks. And uh, go Pack Go. I leave you today with a song called Freaker by the Speaker by Keller Williams on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya! Thank you.